Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. So we're going to do a, a deep dive into 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 as we do that, but we're going to start in Romans chapter number 4. Uh, so keep or get and keep your place there. There is there was a movement that started quite some years back called uh, New Evangelicalism or Neo Evangelicalism. And the main problem that came out of New Evangelicalism wasn't what they did preach. It was what they left out of their preaching, which became the problem. You can listen to this philosophy of preaching from different preachers, and you can listen and say, wow, I agree with all of that. They don't necessarily preach or teach error, and you won't necessarily hear things that are unscriptural. But they will not preach plainly against sin. They will not expose false teachers, and they will not practice separation from sin because they don't preach against it. So on one hand, they're saying things that are right, but then on the other hand, they're leaving things out because they don't want to have a negative message. That's the philosophy. The philosophy is a pragmatic philosophy that says we want to do something that will get a result, even if it is a man-made result. Uh, This is how businesses are run. They're run very pragmatically. If you want to Uh, have a return on your investment, you need to have a system that's going to work for that return to happen. Well, that's not the case with the Bible. It's not the case with Christianity. So they're looking for pragmatism. We want to find what's going to work to get people to come. They're very, uh, new evangelicalism is very accommodating to the world. They are on purpose non-controversial, and they are on purpose non-offensive. Now, I don't want to be offensive, but you have to admit, if you're going to do public ministry, if the gospel isn't offensive, then you're not preaching the gospel. (laughs) It's not, our heart's desire isn't to hurt people. They're already hurt. They're already condemned. We don't show up and all of a sudden they're condemned. We're trying to bring the message that says, look, you're already condemned. And we have a message of good news. But they're not going to preach the gospel. They're not going to go out publicly and tell people that they're a sinner and that there's a savior for them. Instead, we're going to give out hot chocolate. And we want you to be warm and filled because that's going to make you feel good inside. And you're going to come to our church and we're going to have a big bounce house. And we're going to have all of these entertainment style programs that pragmatically work to get people into a building. That's not our philosophy of ministry because that's not what the Bible wants us to do. We need to talk about the Bible and all of the things that are in the Bible. And the Bible says in Acts 20, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. This is a Thursday night midweek Bible study midweek service uh we'll typically use the midweek to tackle the stronger issues because 
most of the visitors come on Sunday morning. Okay, it's you, you, you got your really diehards that come on a midweek. Uh, who wants to interrupt? Who wants to interrupt their week to come to church? The diehards do. I mean, they, they, you know, I, I, I love doing it. You love doing it. So we'll tackle these stronger messages uh, on on the midweek service. That's what we're going to do. Now, I ask you to turn to Romans 4, and by way of introduction, this whole message is going to be an introductory message, because I want our hearts to be right. We aren't going to take the new evangelical route and have just this mood of neutral, this always seeking neutral ground, this soft on sin, uh, and, and, and rejecting separation, um, because... The Bible has some serious things to say about how we live and how we should live and why we should live that way. And when we go through 1 Corinthians 11, we are going to see some distinctions. And we don't just avoid talking about those distinctions for fear of offending someone. So we're going to talk about them biblically. We're going to get some introduction in Romans chapter number four. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. Verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. You see, that's the first distinction. How was Abraham justified? By faith or by works? Both. But here he was justified before God by works. How are you and I justified? Both. Before God by faith. Well, did anybody see that? No. How are we justified before man? By works. It's both. It's before man and it's before God. That's what James 2 is talking about. So there's a distinction that is made even on our justification. How's anybody going to believe that you're a Christian? I mean, the world. You're out drinking and, and, and tearing up the town and, and, you know, putting graffiti all over and living a life that's wicked and posting it all over Facebook. And then all of a sudden you want to tell somebody about Jesus. The message you might be telling them might be from the Bible, but they're not going to believe you because you're not justified by your works before man. It's got nothing to do with before God. You've trusted Christ as your Savior. You're justified by faith. So there's a distinction right there, and I want us to get a hold of that. Uh, for what saith the scripture, verse 3, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham believed God, but his works were counted. No, it doesn't. It's very clear that it is the believing part. <laughs> Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. We have another distinction now that we see clearly in the Bible. There's works and there's grace. It's a very, very clear distinction. But to him that worketh not, verse 5, but believeth on him 
that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Another distinction. Ungodly people. Godly people. There's distinctions all throughout the Bible, even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. How do you have God's imputed righteousness credited to your account? Not by works. So you can fill in the blank on any work that you want to add. It doesn't matter a hill of beans what it is. You will not receive God's imputed righteousness by that. It must be by faith, by grace, through the faith that you, pl that you place in the Lord, in the meritorious work of the Lord Jesus Christ. A a amen and amen. And verse number say seven, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. That's that's quoted back in Psalm 30-something. Uh, are forgiven whose sins are covered. At the start of the message, let me at the start of the series, let me just say this. The most important covering that you and I need is the covering for our sins. Your long hair can't cover your sins. If you put something on top of your long hair, it can't cover your sins. Your good works can't cover your sins. What you wear as apparel can't cover your sins. There's only one way to have your sins covered. And it is by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And outside of that, all you're trying to do or all I would be trying to do is work our way to heaven. All these Roman Catholic nuns want to put on special clothes. All these priests want to put on special clothes. Nothing that we put on will save us. Nothing that we put on will cover our sins and our iniquities. We need the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's our message to the world. It's the most important covering that all of us need. I don't want to talk somebody into living right. Dressing right and coming to church every time the doors are open and have them miss the covering that they need to get into heaven. That'd be an awful, awful thing. We need to be real careful that we don't get caught in rabbit trails when we're witnessing to a lost person. And the next thing you know, we're going to be talking about things that matter, but don't matter for that person's soul. Don't matter for their soul. Verse number two, look at this. We're going to see some glory in 1 Corinthians 11. We have nothing to glory of. Uh, we have the most important covering comes from God. You see uh, verse two, it says, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. None of our works, we have nothing to glory in. All of our uh, all of our blessedness, verse 6, comes from what God did. All right, so that is, by way of introduction, very important to get a hold of. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. We'll get started verse by verse. And 
just to show my hand before we get started, we're only going to really cover one verse. <laughs> we're going to go through a bunch, but we're only going to get through one. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Uh, look at of Christ. Draw your attention to the last two words. Christianity is not about a man. I'm not following Paul. You're not following Paul. We're, we're following what Paul says under the Holy Spirit's inspiration because he followed Christ. And Christianity isn't about a movement. It's not about trying to find a website or a blog that has a head covering movement. Why is there a movement developed? When our movement should be to go out and preach the gospel, we have a clear command and there's all these parachurch ministries or whatever you want to call them. We need a movement of God that gets people's sins covered. That's the most important thing. I, I get what I get what people are trying to do. We want to get back to. I'm as frustrated about how this world lives as you are. I am as disgusted with sin running rampant as you are. But I am not going to create a movement other than what the clear command was for me from for me and you from God that we see in his Bible to go out and tell this lost and dying world. You had the same problem with these with the with with the, with the government nuts. I know the government's corrupt. What do you want me to do? Join the January 6th crowd? How did that work out? I told my kids, I'm not getting locked up. I'm not getting locked up for Trump. I'm not getting locked up locked up for the Republican Party. I'm not getting locked up for any of that stuff. I told the government official, what do you want from us? I said, I want the government to leave us alone, stay out of our lane, and we'll stay out of your lane. That's what I want. What did you say to that? He just smiled and said, okay, well, that's fair enough. By the way, I want to see you in heaven. Here's what Jesus did. Because you ain't going to get that on Capitol Hill. That's not their role. The role is to govern man here on earth. Our role isn't about a man. It's not about a sermon. It's not about a study. It's not about a denomination. Even as I, I also am of Christ. This is about Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ being magnified. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians chapter number 3. <clears throat> Watch what the Bible says. If ye then be risen with Christ. See that? Look at verse 3. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. Look at verse four, when Christ, who is our life. It's pretty clear to me that this thing's about Christ. Christ is all. That's who we need. Where, where, where are our affections? Look what it says. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. There's lesser and there's greater. We are so, 
we have so much more to offer people because our affections are this way. You say, well, Christians, you, you're Christians, you can't do anything. We can do a lot of things. It's just you don't like doing them. But what we've got is so much better. You're just missing out. We're trying to get you in on the winning side. Because we've got Christ. Our affections are above. And now watch what we are told to mortify. Verse number five. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Where does all that come from? Inward. And it's a manifestation of the heart's desire that outplays itself in outward things. But where does it start? This is all internal stuff, folks. It's inside. Now, watch what we are told to put off. Verse number eight. But now you also put off all, all, all these things. Anger. Where's that come from? Wrath. Where's that come from? Malice. Where's that come from? Blasphemy. Where's that come from? Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. Where does all of that stuff come from? Inside. True biblical Christianity is an inner working. And we so put the body first. It doesn't mean we disregard the body. It just means there's something that's more important. This is why we, or I am trying to caution us. I remember going to this church back in New Jersey. And the, well, I won't say who. Well, it was the pastor's wife. <laughs> and she would, you all know this, I will tell you the church if you ask me, but she would sneer at the other women that would come in that weren't dressing like she thought they should dress. Hmm. Now I'm for right living. I'm for right dressing. I'm for right music. I'm for right everything. But I'm for a right heart. Gee, I wonder why your family doesn't want to come anymore. Why don't you quit? Because there's something about the spirit. There's something about the heart of that woman that is driving people away. And it all has to do with an internal heart attitude that manifests itself. And God help us. I don't want to be that church. I don't. Uh, Look what it says. Here's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, where is it? Okay, uh, verse number 12. Watch what else it says to put on. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, if you trusted Jesus Christ, you're in Christ. Christ is the elect. You also now are elect if you're in Christ. He's the elect of God. Holy and beloved. I'm for holy living. Watch what it says next. Bowels of mercy. You know what bowels? It's an, it's an internal. Is mercy permeating 
from the heart that's seated inside of you. It's all internal. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, unless they disagree with you, and then you can just let them have it, except it doesn't say that. Now, I, I'm not, I won't tell you the church. I won't tell you where it's at, and I won't tell you uh, who it is. But I've been around people that, okay, you've got something on the top of your head, and none of the other ladies do. But you're mean and nasty. There's an attitude behind somebody that turns all Christians off, whether they agree or disagree with what you're doing. What are you saying? What I'm saying is, what's more important, folks? What's more important? It's the heart. It's the heart. And if we lose that, we lose true biblical Christianity and we're left to what we do and what we wear and what we don't wear and what we put on and what we don't put on outwardly. Look, we're going to get to some distinctions. We're going to run those rabbit trails. But I got to tell you from the offset here, there's something more important and it's Jesus Christ. You can't lose that. That's why the Bible says in the 11th verse in Colossians, it says where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. You can't brag about that. You can't brag about your nationality. Barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Who's all? That's Jesus Christ. Are there some distinctions made in Colossians chapter 3? You bet they are. But in Christ, they're all done away with. Which is where we'll get ourselves into trouble. And there's two schools of thought. I typically don't use words that aren't in the Bible, but it's okay to use them. You just got to have to qualify them. Egalitarianism is something, uh, it, it's, it, it's an ism. So you just add it to the other isms. But it's an, it's an ism that believes there should be no gender-based restrictions or no gender-based distinctions because we are all one in Christ. Now, that's the viewpoint that they take. That's the philosophy they take. In other words, men and women can have interchangeable roles in the family house and the church house. That's the egalitarianism view. Well, that would be a wrong view because the Bible doesn't teach that. But do you see how you can take a verse of scripture and rest it to your own destruction? Are we all one in Christ? We are. There's a distinction made between what? Those that aren't in Christ. And those that are in Christ. But that doesn't mean God has got given away distinctions. It just means that there's something higher than short hair, long hair. Men's clothing, women's clothes. Male, female. 
There's something higher than all of that. And what is it? That we are in Christ. That's not a license to just get rid of distinctions and roles. But some would take that verse and then there they go. Complementarianism says there are gender-based restrictions. Complementarianism says there are distinctions. Women cannot serve in leadership roles in the church. They serve in complementary roles. For example, Caroline, uh, Chrissy, they're not going to come up to the pulpit and preach to the congregation. They're in a complementary role to the preaching of the word and the ministry of the word, which is done by the men of the church. They complement that by teaching the children. It's a complementary role. God has clear, distinctive roles for male and female. So Beth Moore and Paula White and all the rest of the fakers, you're, you're wrong. Come alongside and take a complementary role, not a leadership role. And this Laodicean church has just gotten it wrong. There are distinctions. The complementarian argument, which would be the argument that we would say, I mean, I, I never tell anybody I'm a complementarianism. I tell them I'm a Bible believer. But for the sake of understanding these terms, the argument has nothing to do with equality. Why? Because we are all one in who? Christ. It's not about equality. It's about God has some clear distinctions made. In the home, there's distinctive roles. In the corporate worship of the church family, there's distinctive roles. In society, there are distinctive roles in the home, corporate worship, and in society. And we're going to run those ideas as the this message series develops. I go home, that's my wife and my kids. When I come here, I'm not a dad. <laughs> it's a do you see the distinction? I don't go into town. I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. Well, Pastor Fortunato's here. Everybody moves around. What are, you, what are you talking about? It's complete. It's, there's distinctions. <laughs> there's distinctions. We need to understand and get a hold of that. It has nothing to do with equality. We're going to talk about distinctions. They are there. But go to Galatians. Uh, go back to Galatians chapter number three. Uh, I want to see if we can grab this. The egalitarianism view where there's no bend and no gender based restrictions that uh, takes uh, Galatians chapter three. Look at verse number 28. This is their proof text. There is neither Jew nor Greek. We saw that before. There is neither bond nor free. We saw that in Colossians three. There is neither male nor female. Well, see, there you go. We just throw it all out the window, except you just threw the Bible out the window because you're not teaching all the counsel of God. You're not rightly dividing it, and you're not getting the distinction that's made between those that are in Christ 
which it says, for you're all one, period. No, there's no period after that. You're all one where? In Christ Jesus. That's where you're one. That's where we're equal. Well, I want to be equal with the man. Well, don't go. Don't go get a job. <laughs> don't get in Christ. You know, all these women, they want to get out in the workforce and show they can outwork the man. Okay, I'm not saying women don't work. Go ahead. But, but what I'm saying, I'm trying to make the point that if you want to be equal, get in Christ. That's where our equality is found. Other than that, I'm not sending my wife to the front lines to fight in the army. That's the man's role. Unfortunately, today it's been completely flip-flop. Look at verse 6. We'll look at a couple more uh, distinctions here. Verse number 6. Uh, in Galatians, Galatians chapter number 3. Let's get there. Galatians 3. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll move out of Colossians 3. We're in Galatians 3. Look at verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Uh, look at verse number seven. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. How's that? By faith. Uh, see it in verse nine. So that they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Uh, look at verse number 22. But the scripture hath concluded all our sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Look at verse number 26. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 27. For as many of you have been baptized into water, oh, sorry, into Christ, have put on Christ. <laughs> Because being baptized into water isn't going to get you in Jesus Christ. It's going to get you in water. And one of the problems that we run into, and I think we're going to see that in 1 Corinthians 11, is we look for the obscure and we build a movement or a doctrine around it. Well, you, I, I hate to tell you, but there's more to the Bible than Acts 2.38 and Mark 16. And... Uh, uh, let me show you what I mean so we can get this. Uh, go to go to Acts 2. We won't park here long, but Acts 2. Uh, okay. Okay. And then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can, you can build a doctrine around that and say that water baptism saves you, except what does verse 41 say? Then they that gladly received his word, what did they do first? Receive his word. So that means they were saved. And then they were baptized. <laughs> but you can take a verse and you can build a whole movement around that verse. And get people thinking that, well, you, if you're not in water, you ain't saved. Uh, go to Mark 16. Mark 16. 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Y'all know this. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. That's what we do. Verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Period. Except that's how the church of Christ reads it. But he that believeth not shall be damned. It's funny. It doesn't say he that believeth not and is baptized not shall be damned. How come they don't preach that? Why? Because they're looking for an obscure passage to build a doctrine around, and it's not right. And they've got millions of people believing sincerely in their heart that water saves them. But do you see how you can build a doctrine around it? Um We need to be careful of that, taking obscure passages rather than taking the very, very clear passages. You must be born again. Not what we did in Romans 4, all of, you know, uh, Romans, uh, Romans 10, Romans 3, Romans 6, all that stuff. It's very, very clear doctrinal passages that can show anyone how to be saved. And we grab two verses and we just run with it and build a movement around it. We've got to be careful of that. In 1 Corinthians 11, I believe we need to be careful of that as well. Uh, I want to finish up in Galatians chapter number 3. Go back there if you would. Galatians 3. Look at verse number 29. And if you be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Then you are Abraham's seed. Well, which seed? Well, what do you mean which seed? There's two seeds. There's another distinction that's made. Is anybody here a physical descendant of Abraham by blood? No. Well, how are we going to be? How are we going to be able to be Abraham's seed? By faith. There's a distinction made between the physical and the spiritual, and we are part of the spiritual seed. Go to Galatians 6. Well, we're, we're just Israel. The church is Israel. We are Israel. No, we're not. Look at Galatians 6, verse number 16. People use this verse to get rid of or not recognize a distinction. And as many as walk, Galatians 6, 16, according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. That would be not the Israel of the flesh. Is the church Israel of God by faith? But we haven't inherited the physical promises that God promised to Abraham and his physical seed. We are the Israel of God, which is by faith. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about, trying to get them out from under the law and getting them to understand by faith. There's a distinction made 
between the two seeds of Abraham. We get a hold of that. We rest assured that our salvation is secure eternally. We don't have to worry about, oh, am I saved today or not saved? Because when you understand these divisions and distinctions in the Bible, you can see where the works fit in with the with the right living, but not the salvation. So that is that. All right. So I think we got distinctions down. Let's move on to Acts chapter number four. I want to finish up this intro. So just stay with me. I hope everybody's doing good. Uh, Acts chapter four, verse number 10. We have distinction and then we have the headship that we're going to talk about as way of introduction. And we are part of the same body, body of Christ, Acts four. Verse number 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you all. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved who is the head according to acts chapter number four the head is jesus christ the rock of my salvation the rock of your salvation is the head it's a spiritual building that we are part of where jesus christ is the head not the members not the preacher not the preacher's family not the denomination not the council not the Fill in the blank, whatever you want to call it. They don't take the place of the head who is Jesus Christ. He's not in it. It's just, it's just a social club. He's got to be in it. And he's got to be the head. Now watch what it says. The stone which was set at naught of you builders. You know what the scribes wanted? You know what the priests wanted? Buildings. They loved the temple. They loved the physical. And you know what they did? They crucified our Lord, put him on the cross. And he's right there with people say, well, if the Lord was just here, it'd be different. No, it wouldn't. He should. This is the same Lord that's walking around on the earth, healing people. Not these fakers on TV that people are sending millions of dollars to. The real deal. They put him on a cross. He's the head. Ephesians 4. Let's stay on headship because we got to get this. Ephesians 4, verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. We know the head is Jesus Christ. Let's find out what he is the head of. Verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God gave you and I gifts for that purpose. Verse 12. Very easy to understand. Till we all come in the unity of faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, the measure of the stature of our favorite preacher, of our favorite movement, of our favorite denomination. That be no of the fullness of Christ. And we have gotten our heads mixed up because we have not set our affections on things above and realized how magnificent our Savior is. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Look, I understand there'll be doctrinal disagreements, doctrinal misunderstandings. Well, I don't quite see this that way. And I understand there's some obscure stuff. But the purpose that we try to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ is that, so that we're not thrown about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now, not everybody that sees things the way you do or the way I do is necessarily trying to deceive you or deceive me. It's not always the case. But there are some teachers out there that that is their case. We do need to be aware of that. But speaking truth, speaking the truth in love, here it is, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Who is he the head of? What does it say in verse 15? In all things. What do you do at home? Is he your head? What do you do at the, uh, corporate worship? Do you see the head? What do you do in society? See the head? Are you living three different ways? And he's not your head. You've got something going on other than Christ as your head. You're part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. We're in the same body. But in all things, well, I'll just do it on church. No, no. It's not what he's saying. All things. Ephesians 5. Watch it says verse 22. Wives, Ephesians 5, 22, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Who's the submission unto, ladies? The Lord. The Lord. He's the head. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. But your husband can still be the savior. Except that's not what it says because he can't be. You cannot marry a Christian man and expect to get to heaven. You need a head and it needs to be Jesus Christ or you and I are sunk. And he, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of the body. That's the body of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, part of the body, ladies, okay, you're subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Your submission is unto the Lord. Your subjection is unto Christ. That's how 
you can put up with him. <laughs> right? right? What do you think? We're, we're not going to be perfect. You can find every lady in here can find fault with their husband every hour of the day if they wanted to. If they wanted to. Now, would that be submissive? <laughs> no, because it's not about him. It's about Christ. Well, he doesn't live up to as if we lived up to and Christ died for the church. Come on. Christ is the head of the body. And our submission, ladies, this thing isn't about rules to follow. Men, this isn't about rules to follow or not follow. This is about the ruler. That's what biblical Christianity is ultimately about. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 verse 22. Bible says, and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. It's Christ's church. It's not ours. We are part of his body, but it's his church. He's the head. There's no convention that's in charge. There's no denomination that gets to make rules. If the convention wants to vote one way and it's against the Bible, guess who we're going with? The Bible. All these conventions that get together once a year and they have all these faith leaders come in that's part of this demonation. And they're all going to vote against the Bible. And they're going to have women preachers and they're going to have all this the alphabet soup crowd come in and get married. And they're all going to vote on it and say, that's okay. Guess who I'm sticking with? The word of God. That's what I'm sticking with. The Holy Bible. That's what I'm sticking with. Jesus Christ is my head. Not a bunch of people that have thrown away the authority of God's word. And they're going to vote him out. And cease to be a church. You kick Jesus Christ out. That thing is nothing. We're not doing what we're doing for any other reason. Than to get as low as we can be and just be a foot. And let Christ be the head. We can all be feet. Just foot washing. We'll do that later. <laughs> all right. First Corinthians. Oh, man. I just had a story. Come to, I, I won't tell this story. I'll save it for later. But it's, uh, it's a good one. First Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to get some context. And then we'll, we'll start to wrap it up. I do want to get through this. Okay. First Corinthians chapter number 10. We're going to get some context going into first Corinthians chapter 11. Moreover, brethren, I would not, you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the sea, under the uh, cloud and all passed through the sea. We're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So as believers, we all drink, all of us, of the same spiritual drink. We're trying to give people living water. Okay? Everybody get that? That's the context of those first five verses. Verse six, now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. See the contrast there? People are doing lustful things. 
We, we should. Verse number seven, neither be idolaters as were some of them. You see the distinction there? Some are, some aren't. Idolaters. These people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. See the distinction there? As Christians, you should live right. No fornicate. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Do you see that uh, there's another distinction there? Now, all these things happened unto them for unsamples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world were come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. There's a tempter, and then there's someone that makes an escape for you and I when we are tempted. Okay, there's a contrast there. Verse 15, I say, uh, I say as to wise men, judge ye what I say. So apparently judgment's good. Uh, look at verse number uh, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the Christ, bread which breaks, not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, are, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So what are we? As believers, it doesn't matter if you're in society or at home or in corporate worship. We are part of that one bread, one body. Verse 18, behold, Israel, here it is again, after the flesh. See the distinction? What did, they, what did Israel the flesh do? Are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? Pretty easy to understand. That's what Israel did. The flesh, and see the Abraham and all that. Verse 21, look at that. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of Devils, where's the distinction here? You have a table of the Lord, and then you have a table of devils. Now, it's a blessing, first off, to be able to be in a church that isn't modeled after 1 Corinthians. But may I remind you, they are part of the one body. They're brethren. They're sisters. That have gotten things, they made a mess of it. Paul and the Holy Spirit inspiration is helping them out. So thank you that we have a good spirit and we're not in this mess in 1 Corinthians. But may I also remind you, there are some brethren and sisters that need some help. And Paul is helping them out. And he's not saying they ain't saved. He's saying, you fellas better start doing things right, God's way, or the thing is going to fall apart. There's a distinction between right living and wrong living. When you see a Christian not living right, he's not not saved. He's not living right. And Paul's helping him out. And just... When you think you get to a point where you're living right, you find something in your life that you're not living right on. At least that's been the case with me. What did I get? What did I lose my salvation and have to get saved again? No, I just grew into the fullness. Or the growing. You don't, you don't arrive, you just 
Now, 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So if it's not going to edify the brethren or the sister, why do you have to do it? Let no man seek his own. See that? But every man and others well. Whatsoever sold the shambles that eat, that asking no question of conscience sake for the earth, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whosoever is set before you ask, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. If any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And for conscience sake, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Now, a couple things. You have a conscience. You cannot violate your conscience. And everybody has one before the Lord. And you've got to go before the Lord and make sure your conscience is settled on things of the Lord. Uh, for look at verse 30 for if I by grace be a partaker why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of God so the idea that I'm going to go to church and kind of just do something for God is a farce whatever we do work play family home Friends, neighbor, church house, society, it should be for the glory of God, not for our own glory. You see the distinction? Before you and I were saved, we're first place. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.